She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right. Welcome. Welcome to the program. It is Tuesday, and I'm so excited to be with you. And guess what? We have a jam-packed program for you today. So I'm going to launch right into what has become just such a great blessing to me, which is the encouragement segment. And it's fast today, okay? We have um, our own physical mailing address now at the Stacy on the Right Show, which we never had to have before because we had a syndicator and mail could go there. Um, but now that we have our own physical address, people have been looking it up and we got our first two pieces of mail today. And so while we were out coming back from a doctor's appointment with daughter, the youngest, we stopped by the mailbox, we got our mail and it was from someone that we love, Barb. Thank you so much, Barb. We appreciate you. And so our encouragement comes from Barb today. She included in her card, may God, our father, shower you with his blessings and fill you with his great peace. And I received that and I wanted to share it with you. So let me give you a little bit more of what that is. Um, it's Colossians 1-2. And if I go down to the King James Version, it says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Coloss, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Ephesians 1-1 is a cross-reference verse for that. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. And so basically it's an exhortation and it's to lift you up. So some treasury of scripture references would be Psalm 16:3, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight or Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, which says under the church of God, which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. And with all that in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Amen. I'll take it. So thank you so much for that. I love it when I get a card. Paper cards are so valuable because sometimes, you know, emails, you don't go back through and read those. But with paper cards, you can keep them in a file and you can go back and read them and be encouraged. And so, Barb, thank you so much for that. And thank you to everyone who is contributing to the show and sponsoring us in Patreon. All of that. I'm so grateful for it. And I hope you know how much it spurs me on to keep doing this, which you know, I kind of need that right now because of this current situation, which I'm, I'm trusting God. I think this is going to be fantastic. So today on the show, we are going to be diving into, apparently, um, Colin Kaepernick runs, he runs Nike. So if you thought that there were a board of directors there and there were stockholders and shareholders and uh, forget it, the only person whose opinion matters at Nike is Colin Kaepernick. And so if you want to support that, then keep buying Nike stuff. And I just keep thinking, I think all of my tennis shoes, except a couple, like I have a pair of Vans and a pair of Converse's, everything else, they're all, they just happen to be Nike tennis shoes. Not because I love Nikes, but because when I go to Nordstrom Rack and I buy tennis shoes to work out in, that's usually what they have on the rack. They just have tons of Nike shoes. So it's weird that this would be the thing. Um, so I wanted to cover that. We're going we're gonna to dig into the Nike plant incentives that Governor Ducey is actually yanking from Nike because of their decision to stop distribution on a tennis shoe that has the Betsy Ross flag on it. Like Betsy Ross is some kind of white supremacist. Help me out here. Does anybody get history teachings anymore? I don't expect Colin Kaepernick to know it. But what about the board of directors? What about the president of Nike? None of them learned in high school or middle school about Betsy Ross and how she was like one of the founding mothers of this country and not a racist. Okay. And we're also going to talk about the border crossing point being shut down after a large and unruly group forms in Mexico. Uh, debate polling, a post-debate polling has Bernie kind of sliding downward. The pop is with Kamala Harris, who turns out she's really... She's not even as black as Barack Obama was. And remember all the claims about that. And then, of course, we all love Jason Whitlock. He has put out yet another statement of truth. He's so fantastic about how liberalism is hazardous to your health. And then Facebook, the wife of Zuckerberg is, uh, well, no, actually, this is not his wife. This is the other one who's in charge. Sandberg, Cheryl Sandberg. She is one of the others in charge over at Facebook. She's donating, I think, a million dollars to Planned Parenthood. Like they're not getting 558 million U.S. tax dollars from us. So that's the hour-long program today. A couple of programming notes. While we're working on getting our equipment basically transferred over from our American Family Radio owned stuff to my own stuff, um, we're going to have, we're, we're sticking with our clock because we have affiliates still. 
So first, let's get to the good news. The good news is we still have three terrestrial radio affiliates in Florida and Georgia. And you can find out what they are if you go to Stacy on the right and click on radio, I think is the tab that it's under. And you can scroll down and see uh, what times the show airs on those affiliates. So I was communicating with them today. They're still going to continue to carry us. And that's a blessing. We're grateful for that. Not gloating, just grateful. So that's good news. Um, so we're still, I'm still a radio host as well as the digital platform that we're currently putting together right before your very eyes with the grace of God. And then secondly, um, the other part is that since we're using the same clock so that we can honor our previous commitments, we will have a break and it will be three minutes long, but you will not have audio because we think we've isolated the problem from yesterday and we're going to have the same uh, type of a thing um, where the break will be the same but there won't be any sound in it, but you can step away and get your drinks or whatever you're gonna get and then come back. And that will only be um, for today and tomorrow, I believe. And then after that, we will be back to our regular, um, our regular mock-up. And let's say you're a business, um, or let's say you know a business owner and they're looking to advertise on a podcast. We've already had um, 700 and some odd downloads. 500 of those were in the first 24 hours that we went live on Fireside. So the show is picking up some steam, praise God. Um, that is all his doing, and we're just here. We're we're just working like little. We're working as hard as we can. Um, we want to continue that momentum, but we we're hoping to get to a place where we're going to have some opportunities to offer to advertisers. So if you know somebody, they can always email and find out what we're doing here and how they can be a part of it by emailing Stacy at StacyOnTheRight.com or info at StacyOnTheRight.com. Both of those addresses are now manned by someone who will assist and respond and maybe even set up a phone call. Um, so whatever whatever the situation is, if you have something you're interested in, info at stacyontheright.com or um, stacy at stacyontheright.com. <laughs> that one actually comes to me. <laughs> so, um, so we'll be getting to uh, all of those other topics. Right now, I do wanna talk about Arizona Governor Ducey pulling the plant incentives for this. So first of all, these are the natural order of things like the the we should have people lashing out or responding if you will when we see this kind of idiocy so i'm not going to go into the whole history of betsy ross if anyone is interested that's what our bing and DuckDuckGo search engines are for um the shoe itself is actually really cute it's a nike shoe it's red white and blue and on the back it has a tiny little flag on each heel, and it's the flag with the circled. So the so this was before we had 50 states, obviously. And Betsy Ross is the one who actually sewed this flag for the first time. And it's the all of the stars on the flag are in the form of a circle. Not racist at all. This does not signify the Confederacy or anything like that. It's just it's just the way the flag appeared when we had this many states. So Nike heard from Colin Kaepernick that this was terribly racist and offensive to him. No more justification was required. Nike just bent the knee and bowed down to what he requested them to do. And so Arizona Governor Doug Ducey heard her travesty and said, uh, not today, Zerg, not on my watch. Y'all ain't going to get down like that over here with your plants up in Arizona. So he says he's ordering the Arizona Commerce Authority to withdraw their incentives for Nike building a manufacturing plant in the state. Now, the Wall Street Journal actually was the first to report on Colin Kaepernick, you know, because basically he runs Nike now. I mean, that, that is just some serious drama. Um, and it's a USA-themed sneaker, a USA-themed sneaker. I, I repeated that because I want to make sure you understand this is anti-American fervor that these leftists are engaging in. And at any point where someone would think, well, you're elevating America. No, I'm not. I'm not elevating America over God. But the, the subject matter here is the American flag Betsy Ross edition, and whether or not that can be on a shoe that you would have a choice whether or not to buy. Uh, again, as an American, none of us, since we don't live in North Korea or, you know, communist China, none of us have shoes delivered to our house and we're told to wear those. Like, you know, in North Korea, they only have 12 approved haircuts and Kim Jong-un approves the haircuts. And if you have a haircut that's not one of the 12 approved, you could get like disappeared to a gulag. With that, that's North Korea, by the way. This is America. So if this Betsy Ross shoe is on the shelves and I'm in the store and I don't like it, I just get to keep walking. The same thing I now do because I have, I have these Nike items and I'm still using them, these tennis shoes and stuff, um, but I don't plan on buying any new Nike items. 
And why? Because they're letting Colin Kaepernick destroy their brand. They have quality products, their workout gear, the t-shirts, the sweatshirts. It's, it's not bad. It's good stuff. Um, and if you find it on sale, it's like, hey, a, a nice thick sweatshirt that you can throw on in the wintertime when you're going out for a walk or a run. Come on. Why, why not? Well, Colin Kaepernick, that's why not. So Nike has made its decision and now we're making ours. This is a quote from Arizona Governor Ducey. He says, words cannot express my disappointment at this terrible decision. I am embarrassed for Nike. Now, Ducey is a Republican, and he tweeted this out. Nike is an iconic American brand and an American company. This country, our system of government and free enterprise have allowed them to prosper and flourish. And the shoe that they were going to release is called the Air Max One Quick Strike, 4th of July. They were actually planning this patriotic shoe for issuance around the 4th of July holiday. And if you think about it, what's more fun than that? I mean, if, if, if you're in the market for like shoe buying according to holidays, I'm, I haven't really engaged in that, but it, it could be fun. If you're looking for a pair of tennis shoes and you wanna wear them and have a little bit of American like July 4th type swag going on, this would be perfect. I don't understand why they would listen to him because this is a buying opportunity that any American could engage in, whether or not you're a Republican or a Democrat, or maybe not. Maybe the issue here is that Democrats can no longer engage in this kind of fun because they are, uh, how do we put this? They're, they're not American anymore. They don't have American fervor anymore. Um, so I just want to say, if, if this is something um, that you're interested in, Nike has made its decision. So more quotes from Governor Ducey. Um, it says, Nike has made its decision and now we're making ours. I've ordered the Arizona Commerce Authority to withdraw all financial incentive dollars under their discretion that the state was providing for the company to locate here. Erica's, Arizona's economy is doing just fine without Nike. That's what he says. We're doing just fine without them. We don't need to suck up to them. That's what he says. So there it is. Now, I, I, I want to make sure people understand where I'm coming from. I'm not saying that people aren't allowed to buy Nike or that no one should buy it or that it's, it's a bad, I'm saying for me, it's no longer an option because Colin Kaepernick has no business experience. He's never started a huge company like Nike. He doesn't have a huge you know, slate of employees that he has to worry. I'm making decisions that can impact their livelihood. If I mess this up and this company loses hundreds of millions of dollars in, in sales, that could impact the bottom line. It could mean that I can't give people bonuses at Christmas. See, these are the kind of things that business owners have to engage in. Business owners have to sit up at night after they've worked a full day and then sat in meetings after work and after they've been in early to sit in meetings before the work day, then at night, after they've put kids to bed and dealt with their own personal, you know, pay their bills, whatever, then business owners have to kind of sit and think, okay, we've made some decisions today and I'm concerned because I didn't have everybody on board with me and I'm not sure, but I'm worried that these, some of these decisions might impact our bottom line. Maybe we need to re-go over, like maybe I need to pull some people back in and have a sidebar and consider this one more time. Maybe the decision that we made today, I, I don't know, let me pray about it. These are the conversations that business owners, they have with their wives. Hey, you know, their, their husband, if the, if, if the business owner is a woman, you, she's sitting up with her husband at night saying, uh, I don't know, I, it's just not sitting right with me, this decision, or I'm excited about this decision. I think this is going to yield us profitability. It's going to enable us to finally, you know, increase our share of what we pay for our employees' health insurance. These are the kind of conversations that we, honestly, do we think about these all the time? If, if your spouse or you are employed by a large employer and you sit up and think about, you know, all the decisions that they have to make, hundreds of decisions a day from what email client to use to uh, you know, whether they're going to renew the contract with the current cleaning company, it, you know, do we do we order the new telephone system like our vendor is saying we need or do we put that off another year um, because, you know, that's going to cost X amount of dollars and we're just reaching profitability in this area? Can can these phones serve us for two more years or three more years? These kinds of decisions every day, every minute of every day are being made by business owners. And who's not a business owner? Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is a man who honestly... He's like a destroyer of sorts. He's just roaming around the country, destroying anything he can. He almost destroyed the NFL. He's got copycats, little monkey see monkey do's over at the Women's Soccer Federation. 
they're doing the same thing. Uh, Megan Rapinoe taking a knee with her untanned self, blonde, shock of blonde hair on top. She's a lesbian just trying to get attention for her pet cause. Colin Kaepernick, the destroyer, should be pushed out of Nike and the shareholders should demand that he's no longer allowed to influence that company because he's going to try to destroy that too. We'll be back after this. Stay right there. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. As we watch in horror, nightly news plays images of star Venezuelan citizens run down in the streets as they protest for freedom from the murderous socialist dictator Nicolas Maduro. He has starved his citizens, deprived them of health care, food and supplies, all while maintaining a very healthy figure. Without the support of his well-armed military, Maduro would have been deposed months ago. But the collapse of Venezuela began back in 2012, when private ownership of firearms was outlawed. Only military and police forces and a few security contractors are permitted to purchase guns from a state-owned weapons manufacturer. Citizens were forced to give up their guns or face 20 years in jail. Now only criminals own guns. In more ways than one, Venezuela is a cautionary tale for Americans toying with socialism and gun control. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Stacey on the Right is brought to you by the Ask Noah Show, airing every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. Do you have questions about Linux or tech? Enjoy hearing others speak tech? Well, this is the podcast for you. You can listen to previous episodes at AskNoahShow.com. That's AskNoahShow.com. Join the Ask Noah Show community by adding their Telegram group or participating in the interactive online community chat. Ask Noah also brings you Speed Technologies. Wherever you are in the U.S., give them a call or click today to learn how Speed can take your business IT infrastructure to the next level. Tune in on demand at AskNoahShow.com or listen live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central Time. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Encourage means to give support, confidence, or hope to someone. That is one of the chief aims of the Stacey on the Right Show. One might think that a political opinion program should loudly rail against the machine. But it was 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that launched the Daily Encouragement segment. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are doing. Or Joshua 1.9, which says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God's word is encouraging. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the patrons who've already signed up. You can find my Patreon account um, by clicking through to Patreon and then just typing in Stacy on the Right. Um, or patreon.com slash Stacy on the right. And you can find us there. You can also find our mailing address over on the Facebook page. And um, I'm just so grateful for those who've decided to partner with us to keep this show going. We are having a blast and it's because of you. So thank you so much. Um, so now I want to dig into um, this poll information. So first off, obviously the intention and, and we all know, going back a couple of years to where we were with um, the Democrats and their, their nominating process, and they had the superdelegates, and they really got to a place where they were allowing the, um, the superdelegates to make the decision. So it was really not a, a, a voter-driven process. Voters weren't making the decision about who was going to be the nominee. Rather, it was um, a, group, a small group of elites who overrode the will of their voters. And we don't know, we'll never know if Bernie Sanders really could have won the nomination legitimately because of the way the process was skewed in Hillary's favor from the very beginning. We even found out, if you remember, 
uh, that Hillary Clinton was basically running the Democratic National Committee through her campaign headquarters because the money was coming through to her and she was doling it out to the individual state campaign committees. She was in control of the process before the nomination was even over. And so that turned off a lot of voters. Now, that doesn't mean it educated them and brought them over to the side of conservatism. It just means that they're very disgruntled with their party. Now, Bernie's bloom has fallen. And I think what's so sad about what's happening with him is that his success mitigates anything that's happening to him right now. I wanted to see Democrats push back against Bernie Sanders as an unviable candidate because he was espousing socialism. Not because I want to be a Democrat, not because I want Democrats to win, but because I believe in sanity on both sides of the political aisle. And as much as I disagree with some of the tactics that are sometimes undertaken by state campaign committees on the Republican side, I do have I do have criticisms on the on the Democratic side. It's something amazing to me that Democrats who are Americans, Democrats who have children in public schools and private schools and Democrats who access every part of the American dream in the same way that you and I do, that these same people would actually listen to someone who calls himself a socialist. And then after listening to him and listening to his nonsense would say, yeah, that's something I can get down with. How can you get down with socialism? Even as a Democrat, you're living in America. The reason people are killing themselves and drowning to death in the Rio Grande trying to get in here is not because we're going to be socialists. They're trying to get in here because we are a capitalist country that happens to have a very generous social welfare safety net. So you couple the welfare system that we have, where we, we basically say we don't want anybody to go hungry, we'll, we'll, the government will help you, and you couple that with the capitalism and the availability of jobs and the fact that we have more jobs than we have people to fill the jobs, people see this as a great place to come and not just live, but make a life that will reverberate down through the generations. If you look back at your own family history, at some point, your family came to America right unless you're an american indian and your family was you know indigenous to this this landmass at some point your family came to america and if you are daughters of the american revolution or before that and you know you can trace your lineage back to one of the original boats awesome that's pretty cool um if you're one of the later immigrants or part of your family like for my background part of my family came over as slaves were brought into this country in that way and some were free blacks who immigrated here then you know that that decision whether it was you know a decision that wasn't their choice as in the slave slavery case and or it was a decision that was their choice as in the the three br brothers who immigrated here from france and they they came into america and literally made a way for themselves and those descendants and the descendants from slaves eventually those descendants culminated in my grandparents who met each other and got married if you look at that you're like okay so Obviously, America was something fantastic because at no point in any of those generations intervening from the moment those two families landed here, in whatever way they got here, did they say, you know what, we need to, we need to get up out of here. We need to go back to France. We need to, you know, because once emas Emancipation Proclamation occurred, black people who were free in America were free to immigrate to another country and get citizenship in another country. But that didn't happen because this is the opportunity zone. It is the landing point. It is the threshold for receiving and walking in the land filled with milk and honey that's been blessed by God. Can't leave that part out because when we have the conversation about America and people leave out the blessed by God part, you're, that's the delineating factor between this country and so many others that have natural resources, Western values, um, you know, a pretty civil population. But the blessed by God part is the part that, that's, that's missing in those other equations. Nobody is killing themselves to get into Islamic countries, uh, you know, the Palestinians, the, you know, none of that stuff. You don't see anybody killing themselves to immigrate into those countries. Everybody's trying to dive bomb out of those countries. And a lot of them can't leave. Like if you're an Iranian, you can't immigrate out of Iran. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not easy. It's not like here where I can just fly to another country and apply for citizenship or asylum or whatever I want to do. America will not try to make me stay here. Same thing with China. Chinese people, when they want to come here, they have to consider that leaving China might mean their family members that are left behind might be killed, put into prison, persecuted, lose their jobs. I mean, it's, it's a punishment regime because it's communism. So that's what's so funny about Bernie Sanders, to circle back around to the original thought here. We, we, Bernie Sanders should never have been able to gain a foothold in the American 
public political psyche because of what he espouses. So in this piece um, over at the Right Scoop, they're quoting a piece from USA Today talking about the two 2020 Democratic debates that happened last week and how those clearly shook up the field. So you've got a new poll out of Iowa that previously had Bernie Sanders on top. Now Sanders is in the single digits. Now, I'll just say before I report to you on this that my sincere hope is that Bernie Sanders would go off into oblivion and that he would be remembered in a poor light for espousing a system that kills people and destroys economies. But until that point, here he is. It's a new Suffolk University USA Today poll which shows Biden continuing to lead the field by, uh, he's at 24%. And these are people who were polled who say they are likely to attend the Democratic caucuses in Iowa. And then they talk about Harris, who jumped to second place at 16%. She leapfrogged over Sanders, which, again, is this really an accomplishment, leapfrogging over a socialist? And she believes a lot of the same garbage he does. So why, why are they picking her? Because she's got a little bit of snap in her step and she swung her neck around slightly, uh, just ever so slightly in the most ladylike way during the debate because she had some poll-tested, snappy comebacks that she preloaded, she practiced them, and she knew these questions are gonna, you know, they're gonna ask about these subjects. And so make sure when you get an opportunity to take Biden to task over you having been bust, which again, unsubstantiated. She says she was bust and she could have very well rode a school bus to school. I'm, I'm quite sure she did. But was she a part of the original busing there? Uh, yeah, that's, that's actually being debunked online. So we don't, we don't know that. And I'm not accusing her of deliberately lying to pad her childhood resume, but can we really put that past her? Her background is that she had an affair with a married man to get the job that she wanted in California to basically increase her probability of having a successful career. Someone else's husband helped her get there and she rewarded him with a, you know, an intimate relationship. And, and I, I don't get any pleasure out of reporting on that, but I just wanna give you, a kind of, it gives you a picture of what her moral compass is. She was willing to do that to get ahead. Even though her parents were both PhDs, she grew up in a Tony liberal elite kind of neighborhood. And she had the opportunity to live in Canada for a while where her parents taught there. And again, because I think her mom was the doctor, I need to correct. On a previous episode of this program, I said her mom was the professor. It was her father who was a professor and her mother was a doctor. Um, so anyway, then the poll shows that he was at 9%. Um, and Elizabeth Warren also rose up over Sanders. She's now at 13%. In other words, to run it down for you one more time, Biden, 24%, Harris, 16%, Warren, 13%, Sanders, 9%. Now, a lot of people will say, what I said, what, a week ago or, or a week and a half ago? Uh, we skip over the week that we had off because we're just going to, that was just not in the plans. It looks to me like what they're saying is Harris Warren. Didn't I say that? I said it was going to be Harris Warren, Warren Harris. One of them, they probably put Harris in the lead because they want to recreate what they had with Barack Obama. Some slogan that means nothing. A brown face, someone who is claiming the mantle of, you know, American blackness so that they can keep the black community engaged because right now blacks in America are not happy with the Democrats. And so then they go back to talking about where they were a week or so ago before the actual two debates. Um, Biden was at 24%. Sanders was at 16%. This was in early June, followed by Warren at 15 and Mayor Pete, I hate pronouncing his last name, at 14%. Now, the next debate, CNN had a similar poll. They did a national poll. And they're saying it was Biden 22, Harris 17. Biden lost 10, Harris gained nine. Warren 15% for a, an additional eight points. Sanders 14, dropping four points. And Mayor Pete dropping to 4%, losing only one point. Why are we still talking about him? And the other thing that is really funny is how now liberals, even in the media, are starting to take um, Mr. Francis... Beto, quote, fingers, O'Rourke. They're starting to basically mock him and say, why are you still in the race? You're done. 
dude, you're done. Which I said, didn't I say that to y'all a few months ago? I said he was he did not have staying power. He was nothing but, you know, some cool pictures and no no ability to articulate on issues. He doesn't even appear serious. He's the guy in the meeting who says something at the very end of the meeting and you wonder when he entered the meeting. You're not sure when he got there, but he has not contributed. And when he does open his mouth up, it makes you, does he work here? You, you always think to yourself, I'm never sure, where does he work again? Who's, what's his, what, is, what does he do for us? That's, that's uh, Francis O'Rourke. So the new standings are hardly set in stone. Six out of 10 say they might change their mind before the caucuses and just one in four say their minds are firmly made up. The second set of debates, which are set, scheduled for the end of the month in Detroit, could actually upend the horse race again. So I go back to uh, Ali Alexander and his allegations, which were simply an echo of what Don Lemon said months ago, that the lineage of American descendant of slaves for Kamala Harris does not exist. And I, I just look, I don't care what she's descended from, but I want her to be honest about her background. So if she, she could be Japanese and American Indian, and I'd be like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Wow. And I would want to read about her background and learn more about it and go from there. It's not that she has to be black, but if she says she's a black person and black always means American. So you're born in America. You have African descent from someplace and that you are a descendant of slaves. So if you are a recent immigrant to this country from Nigeria or the Congo or Kenya or any other place on the continent of Africa and you're sporting a permanent tan, you are an African-American because you immigrated here and God bless you and welcome to the country. If you're here lawfully, I'm all about it, but you are not an American descendant of slaves. You are not black, which is why I don't call myself an African-American. I've never been to Africa and I mean, it's, it's not that I, I have nothing against the continent of Africa. My roots and lineage there, we've traced it back in our family and I know what they are. And I, I'm not ashamed of it, but I am not an African-American because I didn't immigrate here. I was born in this country, as was my father, my father's father, my father's father's father, and the same thing on my mother's side. And we trace it all the way back to when they got here. So we are American in that way. And these other people who come over here from the African continent and they immigrate into this country lawfully and they're Americans, they're Americans too, but they're not black. That's the reason why I don't allow people to say, oh, because you're African-American. I always correct them and say, no, I'm black. And it doesn't mean my skin is actually the color of black tar. It means I am a black person in the common nomenclature that is used to designate what your experience in this country is. And I've, I've never really been really strong about like, you know, kind of delineating until I realized that when liberals lump all black people together and ignore the various experiences that we have, it's just an extension of what they do when they look at black people and say all black people are Democrats. Democrats have to be the most single-mindedly idiotic and racist group of people on the planet and if you're in that group and you're listening to the show, God bless you. Thanks for listening. But follow me through here. Democrats actually believe that a black person cannot be a Republican. So they, they, they've limited black people's experience politically to one side of the political aisle that only pays attention to us 30 days before the election when they demand our vote. A political party that panders to us because we are permanently tanned, not taken into consideration that I happen to like to read British fiction, mysteries, and other black people like reading, you know, other stuff. And that's just one way in which I am unique and quirky and a child of God. But I can't also be unique and quirky and a child of God and a Republican because once I do that, well, you're not invited to the barbecue anymore. All of a sudden, I have white people on Twitter talking to me like they're black, talking down to me, calling me racially charged names because I can't be on one side of the political aisle that they're not on because that puts me out of their control. Let's go a step further. Democrats believe that if you are, even if you're a Democrat, let's say I was a Democrat sporting a permanent tan, I'm a Christian and I believe that life begins at conception and should continue until natural death and that abortion is wrong, then I can't be a Democrat. And if I'm not a Democrat, I'm also not black anymore. This is the kind of mind control that Democrats, white Democrats, feel they can exert over people who have the permanent tan. And I'll tell you right now, any person, I don't care if they say they love you, 
I don't care if they're giving you a million bucks a month. I don't care what a person is doing or saying or profiting to you or whatever. If they claim to be able to exert control over the very thoughts that you have and your physical person, if they want to abuse you verbally and even physically if they could to force you into thinking in a way that they believe is right for you as opposed to giving you the independent autonomy that is your innate right as a human being, a, this is a right that's given to you by our creator. The Constitution protects that right, but God gives you the right to individual choice. He gives you so much choice, you don't even have to acknowledge him. So if he doesn't force you, how can a Democrat force you? Listen to me, people. You're free. You can be whatever you want. We'll be back in a minute. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Emily Ratajkowski and other Hollywood elites are now admitting that black women have much higher abortion rates than every other demographic. Instead of admitting that Planned Parenthood targets society's weeds, which is white supremacist code for black people, for extermination within the tradition of its founder, Margaret Sanger, famous abortion defenders are making this spurious claim. Peddling the lie that the babies who have been aborted are future criminals makes their death a public service. This means that white liberals believe 40% of black babies will grow up to be criminals. Never mind that this is a completely racist statement that defies all logic. The methodology behind this has been soundly debunked. Never mind that analysis by John R. Lott and John E. Whitley show abortion actually increases crime. No matter what, Democrats just continue to lie and kill the babies for money. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Stacy on the Right is brought to you by the Ask Noah Show, airing every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. Do you have questions about Linux or tech? Enjoy hearing others speak tech? Well, this is the podcast for you. You can listen to previous episodes at asknoahshow.com. That's asknoahshow.com. Join the Ask Noah Show community by adding their Telegram group or participating in the interactive online community chat. Ask Noah also brings you AltiSpeed Technologies. Wherever you are in the U.S., give them a call or click today to learn how AltiSpeed can take your business IT infrastructure to the next level. Tune in on demand at asknoahshow.com or listen live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central Time. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Bet you didn't know that cheesy rice cauliflower you're eating for lunch is racist, but it is, according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And yet another mind-blowing trip into the banalities of her intellect, AOC is found wandering through a community garden, lamenting the produce grown there because white colonialism or something. Yes, my friends, lurking amongst the flora, if there is cauliflower present, are the seeds of colonial environmentalism. Instead of encouraging blacks to grow veg they're familiar with, like yucca plants, Oppressors offer cauliflower, which is white, which means it's bad. You got to admit that AOC has skills. This woman can twist a delicious vegetable into a symbol of dastardly colonial oppression. Of course, I'm already planning a colonial cauliflower mac and cheese for our next Sunday brunch at home. My family will love it. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Welcome back. To Stacy on the right. <laughs> hey, welcome back to the show. Um, I hope you're enjoying the program, that you're enjoying the digital and terrestrial Stacy on the right show. We are so excited to be with you. Um, and I, I got into a little bit more detail than I originally intended with that, but I, I want I want to make sure people understand this. And the reason why it bears explaining and it's worth the time for us here on the program is because we never know who's actually listening to the show or who's downloading the podcast and who's really listening for this kind of information. And it's valuable because I, I've actually encountered people in all these years that I've been doing political talk and encountering people. I've met people who are Democrats and they will start spouting that stuff off and they happen to be white. And they will say, well, how can you possibly go against your own people and be a, a you know, a, a Republican siding with the racist? And I said, well, how, how do you, first of all, how do you know I'm not a racist? And then they'll say, well, that's ridiculous. You're black. And I'm like, so if I'm black and it would be ridiculous for me to be a racist, how much more ridiculous would it be for me to know that someone's a racist and to side with them politically? 
And then they stop and think for a second. They're like, oh, well, I hadn't thought of it that way. And then I asked them, you know, there are racist people who are Democrats too, right? No, Democrats are all tolerant. I'm saying, so you believe that every single Democrat on the face of this planet in America, these, uh, every single one, none of them could possibly hold a racist bone in their body. And then they think about it for a second. And these are real conversations I've had. Oh, okay, well, maybe you're right. I mean, anybody could be anything. I'm like, so why are you siding with the racist? Well, I'm not. The majority of Democrats aren't racist. I'm like, well, how do you know that? Because you actually think I can't be a black person. There must be something wrong with me. You're actually imputing racism to me for being a Republican when you yourself have now admitted that there are some Democrats, at least one or two out of the millions who are racist. There just has to be. And so then they think about it some more. And then I, I usually will gently ask, why do you feel like you have the right to tell me what I should believe? And then they always say, I don't believe that. I don't believe you. You're, you're free to be a uh, you're free to be a Republican. And I'm like, well, no, actually, I'm not because you just said I'm a racist if I'm a Republican because all the Republicans are racist. First of all, how do you know all the Republicans are racist? And they'll say, well, most of them, well, your leadership, well, the, after we get talking is what I'm saying to you, because I, I don't have to give you the whole line by line, but you can tell from what I'm telling you that if I continue on the conversation and I'm not yelling and they're not yelling and they're willing to actually talk and, and they ask me questions and I answer them honestly, and then I ask them questions, they answer me honestly. By the time we get done talking, it's been every time except maybe two or three that the person I was talking to who originally started off by saying, you know, you're, you're just a big fat racist or you're, or you're like a dog laying down on your back and letting the Republican scratch your stomach. You're just a subservient, useful idiot. After they've insulted me like that and we've had a conversation and I've explained my position to them without arguing or fighting or name calling, they always walk away and say, you've given me a lot to think about. And a lot of them have apologized to me for saying the original insult that the conversation started off with. And so it's worth it every single time for us to go to the mat and explain the position that we're holding. And, and don't forget, one of the main reasons why I can't brook any kind of comedy with the Democrats is because their stances go against the Bible. And so when I'm explaining that to someone and I, and I say, and also, I mean, it's not really also the overarching thing here is I'm a Christian and I believe that God's word is true. And he, this is what the Bible says about you know, these three issues with the, that the Democrats are on the wrong side of the Bible, they'll say, well, Democrats are Christians too. And I'm like, no doubt they're going to church. And, and you know, they believe that they're following God's word, but God's word says this. How do you argue with that? Some of the people that I talk to, they don't want to argue on that level because they don't know what the Bible says. Um, but other ones will say, ah, oh, you know what? Okay. Yeah. I'm a church goer and you're right. The Bible does say that, but what about this? And sometimes the political ideology for a lot of Democrats, it comes way before anything the Bible says, which means it doesn't matter what the Bible says because they're stuck with what the Democrats have told them is right and they're gonna subvert or push down what the Bible says. And you really can't argue with that. You can talk, you can you know, try to convince, you can reach in, but there's not so, but so far that you can go with that. But it's worth the conversation, just like it's worth the conversation here on this show. Um, and so I hope that for podcast download listeners that they will share the program there's somebody in your life if you know any democrats who need to hear the explanation they need to hear and understand where not just where black republicans are coming from but what this big deal is with you know kamala harris claiming to be a black person when she's really if she's an african-american she's an african-american she's not she's not a black person yeah she was born in oakland but her parents weren't actually american citizens when she was born so she's not even a natural born citizen. Yeah, she's an anchor baby. She's born on American soil. But in order to be an American, you actually have to have one of your parents hold American citizenship when you're born on American soil. Oh, snap. Here we go. I know people are starting to get mad. They're, your body is getting warm. You can feel the beads of sweat coming up on your forehead. You're hopping mad. You're about to go to like crazy cat typing cat gifts on online. You're about to start typing as hard as fast as you can. You're going to send me something that has a lot of typos in it. And I'm going to read it at dinner and pass it around. And we're going to laugh. And that's going to be the end of it. Because when you're in your feelings, we can't have a conversation. Uh, yeah, I said she was an anchor baby. Not taking it back. Next. So Let's talk about this border crossing thing. And then we'll get to Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg donating $1 million to Planned Parenthood. Oh my goodness, what is, what is going on with this demonic chick? Okay, because she wears the cutest little sweater dresses. But anyway, so one of our border crossings was actually shut down because a large and unruly group of, I don't know what they were, but they're immigrants. They're, they're people trying to force their way in here. They got crazy. 
This is the International Border Bridge in El Paso, Texas. And early on Monday, in response to Central American and Cuban illegal aliens protesting on the Mexican side of border, the U.S. authorities actually shut it down. They were in Cuidad Juarez, Mexico, chanting, Vamos a cruzar. Vamos a cruzar. We are going to cross. Before Customs and Border Protection officials said, and shut the bridge down at 2 a.m. The decision to close the bridge came as a large and unruly group formed on the Mexican side. And this is reporting by Roger Mayer, who is a Customs and Border Patrol spokesman. Now, a local TV station, KTSM, reported the group was comprised of about 250 Cuban and Salvadoran migrants. And this story is corroborated by a Cuidad Juarez newspaper, El Diario, (laughs) so the diary. Um, They reported that the group was composed of Cubans and Hondurans. Now, the Mexican National Guard deployed troops to the area, but they did not engage the protesters. So dereliction of duty, Mexico. You said you were going to pick up the slacker. We were going to take our jobs back. What you going to do? You waiting on some tariffs to hit? Step up. So CBP closed all lanes of traffic on the Paso del Norte Bridge and reopened pedestrian lanes at about 5.25 a.m. And this was according to an email sent by Mir. Now, according to CBP, as of 2 p.m. local time, private vehicle crossings to El Paso are subject to a 35-minute delay. And it's the second busiest pedestrian and personal vehicle crossing in the U.S.-Mexico border after the San Ysidro border crossing that links San Diego and Tijuana. So that's fascinating. Good to hear that they were like, yeah, you can chant in your own language that you're going to cross, but you ain't crossing up over here. Get wrecked. That's what my son would say. (laughs) All right. So then now we have Sandberg, Cheryl Sandberg. She is the chief operating officer of Facebook, and she's really, really, really rich. But she's rich in the kind of way that Democrats don't really care that she's this rich. She's, She's okay to be this rich. Income inequality. Not a thing if you're talking about Sheryl Sandberg or Mark Zuckerberg. It's only a thing if you're talking about some hardworking person who spent 25 years building a business up and now they finally are multimillionaires and they get 32 million a year from their business. And now it's a problem because, you know, that's just not fair. They didn't build that. But Sheryl Sandberg, oh, she's good. She's good. It's good for her to be rich. And you know why? Because she gives a million dollars to the Planned Parenthood Action Fund, PPAF. She hopes to help the abortion giant fight what she described, her words, draconian laws in states like Georgia and Alabama. Here's her quote. I think this is a very urgent moment where the rights and the choices of the basic health of the most vulnerable women, black women, the women who have been marginalized, black women, often women of color, black women, are at stake, she told HuffPost. Quote, Planned Parenthood is going to fight back in the courts, in Congress, in the state houses, in the streets for women's health and rights. Because Sheryl Sandberg is one of those Hollywood elites who believes that the offspring of black women are exclusively criminals. When poor black women have babies, they're automatically criminals. They come out with an AK and an Uzi straight out of the birth canal. And they immediately start killing, raping, maiming, and pillaging. That's those doggone, horrible, dastardly black babies that the poor women have. And everybody in Hollywood, including... The people in Silicon Valley, all of the leftists with their pale skin and their tolerant beliefs, they all think that when black women reproduce and they're not in the middle class, their kids are all just headed straight for prison. They got their Uzi and they have a couple of machetes on them. And those babies are just kicking and screaming and and cutting and killing everybody in sight. Don't take it from me. Go on Twitter and read what they say about poor black women. That's what they say. The babies are criminals. And that's why they have to be aborted. So 40% of the black population, gone since Roe v. Wade. You want to know why the Democrats don't have to pay attention to blacks as a voting block? Because Hispanics are reproducing like crazy. Their abortion rate is lower than the black women's abortion rate. And oh, by the way, they have illegal immigration to help. And so they have not only overtaken us as a percentage of population when it comes to lawful people in this country, they're at 18.8% and we're at 13.8. We've been here. I'm sorry. How long have the black community been in America since slavery since before that? So we should be if there's supposed to be 40% more of us, we should be more. We should outnumber the Hispanics. The other reason they don't want that census question on the the uh, the the citizenship question on the census, because if American black people find out that there are more illegal aliens in this country uh, than there are black people, I bet you I'm willing to bet car cold hard cash. 
that the black community would suddenly find that the Republican Party and the Bible and their own personal interests line up perfectly. They would come over to the Republican side in droves. I wouldn't be an Uncle Tom anymore. It'd be fantastic. I, I mean, I, it doesn't impact me, but I'm just saying. That's one thing they would no longer be calling us. They'd be saying, oh, we believe this all along. So she says that she wants to aid the effort to ensure that the women with the fewest resources still have access to these services, referring to abortion. And I think that that is slipping away every day in our country. We have to do everything we can to protect women. Dr. Leanna Wynn, the president of Planned Parenthood, thanked the Facebook executive for her generous support commending Sandberg for her long-standing commitment to Planned Parenthood and her leadership as a role model for women and girls everywhere. Sandberg made a similar donation in 2017. The COO's pricey donation comes weeks after actor and activist Alyssa Milano called on her fellow Hollywood elites to boycott Georgia. Georgia, now nicknamed the Hollywood of the South, um, has just recently signed into law, Governor Brian Kemp did, a bill outlawing abortion after a fetal heartbeat heartbeat has been detected, which is usually about six weeks into pregnancy. So Sandberg actually hedged a bit when asked about the boycott. She said, I certainly think people should do what they can, and I hope that everyone gets a lot more active. Now, film icon Clint Eastwood recently announced that his movie production will move forward in Georgia, and the ballad of Richard Jewell is the name of this new movie, despite Milano's boycott. The film stars Olivia Wilde, John Hamm, Kathy Bates, Sam Rockwell, and Ian Gomez, and none of them have spoken yet about Eastwood's decision, and that's because they know they're going to set to make millions, that he makes great films, and if they speak out against him as a director, their parts might get suddenly written out, and they might be looking for new actors, and so they're, they're keeping their bottom lines in mind, which is the smart thing to do, because a lot of us, myself included, I don't actually care what Hollywood stars political beliefs are. What I want to see is some good acting. And Hollywood's revenues, film, film revenues from the movie theaters are down 10%. Americans are finding less and less to go watch at the movie theater. And I will say, uh, just uh, last week, I, I'm not sure what, what day it was, but we went to see as a family, we went to see that Secret Life of Pets part two. And we'd seen the first one and we laughed and laughed and laughed at that first one. Well, the second one, I went in there with my little arms crossed. I had my snacks. I was ready for, I was ready to hate it. I'd heard it was good, but I was ready to hate it because, you know, Hollywood has a real knack for taking something that you love. And when the second one comes out, they fill it up with a whole lot of propaganda and leftist drivel. And you're sitting there watching it going, did they just really insinuate? Did they just this? So I was ready. And what I wasn't ready for was that I was going to be, I was literally laughing so hard. Like we were, I was looking down the row at my family and they were laughing and I was like, I laughed so hard. It was such a great moment for me, you know, just to get there and laugh and not think about anything that was going on. Cause you know, I was just recently informed of the interesting news. I was so excited that that movie was actually good and funny. And we, we joked around cause we've done this before. Um, <laughs> so we'll have to go to the movies. There's five of us and one will be missing. And so we'll go see the movie again so that the one that was missing can see it with us. And I was like, we should go see this again. And I didn't hear anybody say no. So it was great. And it's great to be with you. God bless from the heartland. Back with you tomorrow. Stacy on the right.